I, and I think he calls the FLN the ALN on here, so we'll... The, no, and they are they are separate. Um, the, or is ALN Angola? The, no, no. If I remember correctly, the FLN is... Um, the FLN is like the political arm, and the ALN is the military arm. Ah, okay, that makes sense, that makes sense. So anyway, when the peasant takes his gun in his hands, the old myths grow dim, and the prohibitions are one by one forgotten. The rebel's, well, webbit, the rebel's weapon is the proof of his humanity. For in the first days of the revolt, you must kill. To shoot down a European is to kill two birds with one stone. To destroy an oppressor and the man he oppresses at the same time. There, a real dead man and a free man, the survivor for the first time, feels a national soil under his foot. At this moment, the nation does not shrink from him wherever he goes. Wherever he may be, she is, she follows, and is never lost of you, for she is one with his liberty. But after his first surprise, the colonial army strikes, and then all must unite or be slaughtered. Tribal dissensions weaken and tend to disappear in the first place, because they endanger the revolution. But for the more profound reason that they serve no other their purpose before than to divert violence against false foes. When they remain, as in the Congo, it's because they are kept up by the agents of colonialism. And again, we've seen this recycle in the Congo, what, 30 years later with the Rwandan genocide? Uh, Again, you know, that is a colonial construct of rivalries that led to mass deaths. And then they're just going to point, oh, that's that's an African... Bullshit. That's a Western-inspired and backed genocide that was carried out by the Africans that the West created. Yeah. The nation marches forward for each of their children. She is to be found wherever his brothers are fighting. Their feeling for each other is the reverse of the hatred they feel for you. They are brothers inasmuch as each of them has killed and may not at any moment have to kill again. Fanon shows his readers the limits of spontaneity and the need for the dangers of organization. But however the great may be the task, at each turning the way, the revolutionary conscience deepens. The last complexes flee away. No one need come talk to us in the dependency complex of an ALN soldier. With his blinkers off, the peasant takes account of his real needs. Before they were enough to kill him, but he tried to ignore them. Now he sees them as infinitely great requirements. In this violence which springs from the people, which enables him to hold out for five years, for eight years as the Algerians have done, the military, political, and social necessities cannot be separated. The war, by merely setting the question of command and responsibility, institutes new structures which will become institutions of peace. Once the last settler is killed, shipped home, or assimilated, the minority breed disappears to be replaced by socialism. So again, decolonialism does not mean mass killing of us. We're afraid of our own violence there. Yeah. But someone might have to be killed if they're still being a settler. But they have to be killed, sent away, or just assimilate. Yeah. If you're worried about genocide, just fucking assimilate. Yeah, it's it's very... do it. It's not so hard. Give up your white-ass, rich-ass farmland back to the Africans that it belongs to, you fuckers in South Africa. You know, don't... Don't fear things. I mean, the reason, like, say, Haiti, and this, this book gives a little more perspective on what happened in Haiti, Haiti. right? But when, uh, I think, I believe it was Dessalines in Haiti um, killed all the Frenchmen, and he, he made perfectly good arrangements and trade relations and things like that with other whites. It was only French whites he hated. But it was because they had decolonized twice and allowed the French whites to live there. And both times the French whites took it upon themselves to recolonize and create a situation of slavery where people were in brutal slavery and had a life expectancy of 21 years old. The slavery was that brutal. Like Fanon says here, that's the colonizer's violence turned against them. And again, 
There were two chances not to go through that for the white and Frenchman, they, and, and they, they blew it. And twice. they had this in Algeria. They yeah. in Algeria there was a it was there the 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 whole there was a crisis after the revolution because mm-hmm. nine it was like nine hundred thousand people mm-hmm. emigrated from Algeria to France, and it wasn't because it wasn't like oh all the white people are getting kicked out. No, there was a, about half of that group were were white settlers that are like oh we're in the out of here because we're no longer going to be able to exploit these people. Yeah. The other half were native Algerians who fought on the side of the French. And if you're going to fight for the colonizer... Yeah, get the fuck out or you're going to get killed. Like, don't... That's that's how this works. Yeah. And that's not enough. The rebel does not stop here, for you cannot be quite sure that he is not risking his skin to find himself at the level of a former inhabitant of the old mother country. While he is waiting for decisive victories, or even without expecting them at all, he tires out his adversaries until they are sick of him. It will not be without fearful losses. The colonial army becomes ferocious. The country is marked out. There are mopping up operations, transfers of population, reprisal expeditions, and they massacre women and children. Again, you they're going to try to recolonize you when you decolonize. We saw this way back from the USSR and the white army invasion all the way through pretty well every decolonial movement. The Bay of Pigs. We were talking about Cuba. What the fuck was the Bay of Pigs, you know? They talk about their, this is because, and the Algerians, he was speaking directly to the Algerians Mm -hmm. at the time when this was being written, but it was because very, Dien Bien Phu happened and Dien Bien Phu was like a rarity in modern warfare as we know it now because it was a one battle decisive. The French got their asses handed to them so hard at Dien Bien Phu, it ended the war right there. They pulled out. They were done. Um, and so Algeria was kind of, there was, this, there was this hope that there would be like this one decisive conflict. And if there's anything we've learned about that's... warfare from now, I mean, from every, that's not how war is fought no. anymore. It does not happen that way. It is death by a thousand cuts, and that's the only way you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna tire them out. You're gonna attrition them to the point that it makes no mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. He knows this. The new man begins his life as a man. At the end of it, he considers himself a potential corpse. He will be killed. Not only does he accept this risk, he's sure of it. The potential dead man has lost his wife and his children. He has seen so many dying men that he prefers victory to survival. Others, not he, will have the fruits of victory. He is too weary of it all. But this weariness of the heart is the root of an unbelievable courage. We find our humanity on this side of death and despair. Again, this is the existentialism. Well, and it also, it's back to that phrase from the intro where it was uh, Fanon's own word. It was something to the effect of to taking, up a, taking up a gun is the only way to make your death less meaningless or something mm-hmm. like that. Like, yeah. you're going to die. Yeah, I will. We talked about this influencing Che Guevara, right? Yeah. Um, you know, shoot coward, you're only killing a man. That's, yeah. That was uh, Ernesto Che Guevara's last uh, words. And um, they, they actually sound cooler translated into English. Yeah. And if you've heard them translated more literally from Spanish, it's it's less awesome. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll take... the, the notion is still there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway... Um, we find our humanity on this side of death and despair. He finds it beyond torture and death. We have so sown the wind, he is a whirlwind. The child of violence at every moment he draws from it is his humanity. We were men at his expense, and he makes himself a man at ours, a different man of higher quality. 
Here Fanon stops. He has shown the way forward. He is the spokesman of those who are fighting, and he has called for union. That is to say, the unity of the African continent against all dissensions and all particularisms. There's a pan-Africanism. Pan yep. He has gained his end. If he had wished to describe it in all its details, the historical phenomenon of decolonization, he would have to have spoken to us. This is not at all his intention. But when we have closed the book, the argument continues within us, in spite of its author, for we will feel the strength of the peoples in revolt and answer by force. Thus, there is a fresh moment of violence, and this time we ourselves are involved. For by its nature, this violence is changing us. Accordingly, the half-native is changed." This book had not the slightest need of a preface. Of course, he wrote 30. <laughs> Fuck you, Sartre. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All the less because it is not addressed to us. Yet I have written one in order to bring the argument to its conclusion, for we in Europe are too being decolonized. That is to say that the settler, which is in every one of us, is being savagely rooted out. Let us look at ourselves if we can bear to, and we see what is becoming of us. First we must face the unexpected revelation, the striptease of our humanism. There you can see it quite naked. It is not a pretty sight. It was nothing but an ideology of lies, a perfect justification for pillage. Its honeyed words, its affect, affection of sensibility were only alibis for our aggressions. God damn, some liberals need to read Sartre. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Not Sartre, just this preference. Just this preference. Just this preference. <laughs> a fine sight they are, too. The believers in nonviolence, saying that they are neither executioners nor victims. Very well, then. If you're not victims, when the government... Which you've rooted for, which you voted for, when the army in which your younger brothers are serving without hesitation or remorse have undertaken race murder, you are, without a shadow of a doubt, executioners. And if you choose to be victims and to risk being put in prison for a day or two, you are simply choosing to pull your irons out of the fire. But you will not be able to pull them out. They will have stayed there till the end. Try to understand this at any rate. If violence began at this very evening and if exploitation and oppression had never existed on this earth, Perhaps the slogans of nonviolence might end the quarrel. But if this whole regime, even your nonviolent ideas, are conditioned by a thousand-year-old oppression, your passivity only ser serves only to place you in the ranks of the oppressors. Again, yeah. you know, if, if you're in an oppressive system and you do nothing, you're furthering the system. system. There is no staying still. This is, and that that line right there may as well be a fuck fuck you to Camus. I mean, it really, really, because yeah. again, that was the argument of no, we can do it peacefully. We can do fuck you. You do not understand. Mm. No, you do not get to say that to the people that have been violently, murderously oppressed for hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah, I mean, no. you can't you can't not I said the fly when when existing. You know, doing nothing, passivism. Is is an appeal to existing power. Yeah, it is. You're you're either rejecting existing power or you're supporting it because nothing inherently supports existing power. Yes, because nothing changes. Yes, you will. You know well enough that we are exploiters. You know too that we have laid our hands on the first golden medals, then the petroleum of the new continents, and we have brought them back to the old countries. I like how he ties petroleum directly to golden medals. It's He's, also uh, fun that he put new continents in quotation marks. The fun recognition of there was enough that, that these they were, were always there. They were there. They were there. You took them. Yes. This was not without excellent results, as witnesses our palace. Or it's. Uh, 
as witness our palaces, our cathedrals, and our great industrial cities. And then, where was the threat of a slump? The colonial markets were there to soften the blow or divert it. Crammed with riches, Europe accorded the human status du jour to its inhabitants. With us, to be the man is to be an accomplice of colonialism, since all of us without exception have profited by colonial exploitation. This fat, pale continent ends by falling into what Fanon rightly calls narcissism. Mm-hmm. And that super European monstrosity, North America, chatter, yeah. chatter, liberty, equality, fraternity, love, honor, patriotism, and what have you. All this did not prevent us from making anti-racial speeches about dirty big men, uh, dirty Jews, and dirty Arabs. High-minded people, liberal or just soft-hearted, protest that they were shocked by such inconsistency. No. Oh, my God, oh Reagan my, said the N-word. My vapors. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but they were either mistaken or dishonest. For with us, there is nothing more consistent than a racist humanism since the European has only to be able to become a man through creating slaves and monsters. While there was a native population somewhere, this imposture has not shown up in the notion of the human race. We found an abstract assumption of universality, which served as a cover for the most realistic practices. On the other side of the ocean, there was a race of less than humans who, thanks to us, might reach our status a thousand a thousand years. Hence, perhaps, in short, we mistook the elite for the genius. Today, the native populations reveal their true nature, and at the same time, our exclusive club reveals its weakness, that it's neither more nor less than a minority. Worse than that, since the others become men in the name against us, it seems that we are the enemies of mankind. The elite shows itself in its true colors. It is nothing more than a gang. Our precious sets of values begin to molt. On closer scrutiny, you won't see that one hasn't, isn't stained with blood. But let it be understood that nobody reproaches us, having been given false and such and such mission, for the very good reason that we have no mission at all. It is generosity itself that's in question. It's a fine, melodious word that has only one meaning, the granting of a statutory charter. For the folk across the water, new men, free men, no one has the power nor the right to give anything to anybody, for each of them has every right and the right to everything. And when one day our humankind becomes full grown, it will not define itself as the sum total of the whole world's inhabitants, but as the infinite unity of their mutual needs. That's a very materialist Mm. statement, and I like it a lot. Yeah. A few years ago, a bourgeoisie colonialist commentator found only this to say in defense of the West. We aren't angels, but at least we feel some remorse. Oh, my God. What a confession. Jesus Christ. Formerly, our continent was bootied up on, by other means. The Parthenon, the Chartres, the Rights of Man, or the Swastika. Now we know that these, what these are worth, and the only chance of being saved from shipwreck is the very Christian sentiment of guilt. You can see that it's end. Europe is springing leaks everywhere. What then has happened? It simply is that this past we made history is now being made of us. The ratio forces have been inverted. Decolonization has become all our hired soldiers can do is delay its completion. The old mother countries have still to go whole hog, and they still have to engage their entire forces of battle, which has lost before it has begun. 
Violence has changed its direction. When we were victorious, we practiced it without seeming to alter us. It broke down others, but for us men, our humanism remained in intact. United by their prophets, the people of the mother countries baptized their commonwealth of crimes, calling them fraternity and love. Today, violence blocked everywhere. Comes back on us through our soldiers. Comes inside the comes inside and takes possession of us. Involution starts. The native recreates himself, and we settlers and Europeans, ultras and liberals, we break up. Rage and fear are already blatant. They show themselves openly in the big N hunts in Algiers. Now, which side are the savages on? Where is barbarism? Nothing is missing. Not even the tom-toms. The motor horns beat out of, I can't even say <laughs> that, French Algeria in French. While the Europeans burn Muslims alive. Fanon reminds us that not so very long ago, a congress of psychiatrists was distressed by the criminal propensities of the native population. Those people kill each other, they said. That isn't normal. The Algerians' cortex must be underdeveloped. Oh, good. We're getting some phrenology. That's hell yeah. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Woo! In Central Africa, others have established that the African makes very use, little use of his frontal lobes. Come on! These learned men would do well today to follow up on their investigations in Europe, and particularly with regard to the French. For we, too, during the last few years, must be victims of frontal sluggishness, <laughs> since our patriots do quite a bit of assassinating of their own fellow countrymen. And if they're not at home, they blow up their houses in the concierge. This is only the beginning. Civil war is a forecast for the autumn and for the spring of next year, yet our lobes seem to be in perfect condition. It is not, rather, the case that, since we cannot crush the natives, violence comes back in its tracks, accumulates in the very depths of our nature, and seeks a way out. The union of Algerian people causes the dissolution of French people throughout the whole territory of the ex-mother country. The tribes are dancing their war dances. The terror has left Africa and is settling here, for quite obviously, there are certain furious beings who want to make us pay for our own blood for the shame of having been beaten by the native. Uh, and and he's yeah. explicitly appealing to fascism there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, and he made a wonderful dig against phrenology in the meantime. <laughs> the fever is mounting against them, too, and resentment at the same time. And they certainly have the wind-up. They hide their rage in myths and complicated rites in order to stave off the day of reckoning and need for the decision to have put the head of our affairs and the grand magician whose business it is to keep us all in the dark at all cost. Nothing is being done. Violence proclaimed by some, disavowed by others, turns in a vacuum. One day it bursts out of Metz, the next Bordeaux. It's here, there, and everywhere, like a game of Hunt the Slipper. I didn't know people played this game. Didn't know it was a game, man. Yeah, yep. I, I think it, I'm going to make a Sartre eye joke, but no, uh, I'm not going to no, do it. No, 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 okay, no, okay, no, it's ableist. Okay. nope. Nope, okay. <laughs> It's our turn to tread the path step by step, which leads down the native level. But to become natives altogether, our soil must be occupied by former, formerly colonized people. We must starve of hunger. This won't happen, for it's discredited colonialism which has taken hold of us. This is the senile, arrogant master who will straddle us. Here he comes, our mumbo-jumbo. <laughs> And when you have read Fanon's last chapter, you will be convinced that it will be better for you to be a native of the uttermost depths of misery than a former settler. It is not right for a police official to be obliged to torture for 10 hours a day. At this rate, his nerves will fall to bits, unless the torturers are forbidden by their own interests to work overtime, when it is desirable for the morality of the nation army. 
should be protected by the rigors of the law. It is not right that the former should systematically demoralize the later, nor that the country with a Republican condition should confine hundreds of thousands of its young folk to the care of the putist officers. Now he's digging at Fanon's time as a psychiatrist yeah. of the French torturers, yep. and, and it's a good dig again. It's a good dig. It is not right, my fellow countrymen, who... You, yeah, you who know very well of the crimes committed in our name. It's not right at all. It's not at all right that you do not breathe a word about them to anyone, not even to your own soul, for fear of having to stand in judgment for yourself. I'm willing to believe that at the beginning you did not realize what was happening. Later you doubted whether such things could be true, but now you know and you still hold your tongues. Eight years of silence. What degradation. And your silence is to no avail. Today the blinding sun of torture is at its zenith. It lights up the whole country under that merciless glare. There is not a laugh that does not ring false, not a face that is unpainted to hide from fear or anger, not a single action that does not betray or disgust our complicity. Will we recover? Yes, for violence like Achilles' lance can heal the wounds that has inflicted. Today we are bound hand and foot, humiliated and sick with fear. We cannot fall lower. Happily, this is not yet enough for the colonialist aristocracy. It cannot complete its delaying mission in Algeria until it's first finished colonizing the French. Every day we retreat in front of the battle, but you may be sure what we will not avoid it. The killers need it. They go for us and head out blindly to the left and the right. Thus the day of magicians and fetishes will end, and you will have to fight or rot in concentration camps. This is the end of the dialectic. You condemn this war, but do a riot yet declare to declare yourselves on the side of the Algerian fighters. Never fear, you can count on the settlers and the hired soldiers. They'll make you take the plunge. Then perhaps, when your back is to the wall, you will let loose at last that new violence which is raised up to you by old, oft-repeated crimes. But as they say, that's another story, the history of mankind. The time is drawing near. I am sure when we will join the ranks of those who make it. Jean-Paul Sartre. That line right there. This is the end of the dialectic. You condemn this war, but do not yet dare to declare yourselves to be on the side of the Algerian fighters. That. Oh, yeah. That That's, I mean, it's it's everything. Where, I, I could not, I could not tell you enough Western people that need to hear it's that Venez, It's Venezuela. It's, it's Syria. Syria it's, it's, it was Libya. It, it was Iraq. It's it was, everything. It's Iran. It's, it's all, China. It's, it's the DPRK. This, you can't you it's can't reconcile that contract. And it goes back to Lenin. I think Lenin had it. The the concept of, uh, I don't know, what it's not, is it radical defeatism? Yeah. I or think is it revolutionary? Revolutionary Revolutionary defeatism. defeatism. The con- you, you, pick a side. Yeah. Pick a, there is, there, pick a side. You do not get to just sit on the fence and say, oh, this is so bad, but they're bad too. No. Yeah. No. Uh, Lenin's, uh, I can't forget who the letter's to, but Lenin's letter where he says, we'll ignore this by, Trotsky's written a silly letter. (laughs) Trotsky's written a letter. We will not publish. We will not publish it or acknowledge it or, uh, but anyway, that is in a letter to a comrade who is going to Switzerland, I believe, Mm -hmm. and was speaking against, um, you know, uh, anti-war, uh, I forget, in, Staying out of World War One, but not not being anti-war, being uh, pacifists. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah against yeah. pacifism. Obviously, once you out of World War One, that was a big London thing. Correct. Against pacifism. Um, so, I mean, you know, the, the, of course, that's something he talked about quite a bit. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I also I notice a lot from from Sartre is, and you you talked about the end of the world apocalyptic, but there's also just a belief in Europe. Europe is crumbling now that the colonies pushed back on it, and I very much believe he was right in that, and that happened to a certain extent, and that would have been fully carried out. But there's this fucking giant settler colony in the well, West. Yeah, no, again, that just it, took up the hegemony battle and saved colonialism. Yeah, it's it's again, Sartre and them just very. They were coming off two world wars, and they just had very. They weren't nihilists, but no. they were. They were. They were trying to make. The the existentialists were all trying to make some form of sense out of what was essentially senseless. They were looking at the most... World War One and World War Two were the most depraved shit you could have ever... I mean, they, they witnessed just some of the most, like, humanity-nullifying shit and had to come up with some form of, of ideology that, that let them proceed from that. And everyone kind of seemed to take a different course. I mean, uh, uh, Sartre, obviously, very, very heavily... Uh, lean towards towards communism. He saw mm-hmm. he saw his version of existentialism essentially let you would build you let you b- define yourself and then that would let you fight you know the 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 good struggle. Mm-hmm. Camus' version was it's all fucking pointless, so just fucking have fun and do whatever you want and and acknowledge that it's stupid and that's why it's bougie and non revolutionary and garbage. But it, it, no, it they were absolutely right that it was. Cr- I'm sure when they looked around, it was crumbling. I think that just is a good and and he also puts a good uh, understanding of it, which helps understand World War One, driving into World War Two, and the rise of fascism. Is uh, imperialism was was out? It it couldn't colonize anymore, and so it turned the fight in on itself over the last few territories, right? Yeah. And when that war weakened Europe. And when socialism rose and the decolonization movement rose, um, countries were pushing pushing back, and all of a sudden these colonies were scrambling for resources. So inside of them, especially the most defeated ones, like Italy and Germany, the weakest ones that were former powers, uh, were very much pushing internally to essentially recolonize themselves. And that's where you started seeing fascism tied with these White is, is obviously a, a social construct, but the deepest, the deepest constructs of white in Europe. And that's where you got Romani people and Jews and disabled people. And it turned totally towards eugenics. Yep. And that's where you got this Aryan race bullshit and, and all that stuff. You know, that that comes from from a decolonizing fight. And he sees like fascism is just going to keep pouring on as Europe turns to itself because it's going to lose these colonies. Yep. And the only way to stop that is to defeat it with socialism. So... Don't fight for the socialism. Don't fight for the decolonization now. Fine. Your back's going to be against the wall when this turns to fascism, buddy. Yeah. And that cheery note, guys. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it was... it That that intro, I mean, I think could be... <laughs> a Shorter? No! I don't know I, I think sh- he had to make it that long. I now. think he had... I think he did exactly what he needed to do. Um, I think it does speak to uh, just the tempo of how this next section is going to go. Oh yeah, um, this is this is definitely uh, this is definitely not Lenin in the sense that it's short, sweet, and to the point. This is going to get this is academic, and it's going to get across what it needs to get across in exactly as many words as it needs. Um, yes. 
That being said, we're gonna do what we've always done, which is try and make that. I mean, we got through fucking capital. This is this is nothing. Yeah, we, and I'm sure this book. I again, I want to take as little words away from Fanon as possible. Yes. And I read almost all Sartre's words. I would really hate to take away from Fanon if 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 we're reading pretty well all Sartre's. But I'm sure there will be more chunks that we take out. There will be stuff that can be. And and again, we we don't do that lightly. I mean, it's no. it, most of the time it is it is a reference to a thing that doesn't exist anymore or just doesn't really help the cause yeah. for what we're trying to get across. But but, but content-wise, since Capital, we really, I, I think we've really committed to that. There's nothing getting cut out. And we didn't cut anything out of Capital. It's just that that, that we would have been here forever. That that book's a fucking Yeah, nightmare. I mean, sometimes we'd have 10 pages and we'd, we'd read about three And there's pages 400, and there's 10 pages in a row of, let's explain how goats trade with yarn. <laughs> and no one wants that. No one wants yeah, it. Yeah, no, if it's content-rich, you're getting all of it. And, and Fanon, if anything, I mean, and again, that... Especially the beginning, the first half of that intro, at least, was, I mean, I I was ready to start flipping tables on stuff. That It, it really is, it really is the kind of, you know, it makes you want to get up and, and, and do something about it. And that's yes. the power of really good revolutionary work. And that's why we're reading it here on Mark's Madness. Yes. I'm tired. I am tired, too. So in the meantime. Bye. bye.